This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are here. Is this thing on? What do you guys like my new background? What do you think of that? It is awesome. I like the fact that the- uh, the 1975 chic. I was going to say, did you just travel back in time? The feds put you up in an undisclosed location. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> OG is remote today, but that does not stop us from saluting our troops because we do that every Monday. By the way, did you guys have a good week off? Fantastic week off here. It doesn't feel like a week off. It feels like- same. Well, that's because you're in the undisclosed location where the forest fires oh. seem to be uh, changing your vacation, OG. Oh, man. Yeah. It's fantastic. They've been changing my uh, my vacation for about four or five weeks now. Yeah. Good times yeah. for everybody right. in the northern climate. Thanks, Canada. Thanks for that. And they're supposed to be the nice ones. <laughs> and you know, our troops can protect us against a lot of things. They can't protect against the smoke. We need a bigger like, wall. That's a bummer. <laughs> I was going to make a wall joke, and I'm like, nope. No, that will not go over. A bunch of those Connex boxes or whatever. What did they do down in Arizona that they decided wasn't wasn't as sturdy as they thought? Now they're trying to sell them back. Let's do something very sincere instead, gentlemen. Raise your mugs because we're going to salute our troops like we do every Monday here. If you're new to the Stacky Benjamin Show, here's to the men and women protecting our country. On behalf of the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union and those of us making podcasts in our mom's basement, here's to our troops. Cheers. Let's all go Stacks and Benjamins together for another eight weeks, shall we? Thanks, everybody. Here's the song that we'd like to do for all the younger set of people, the teenagers and what have you. This one's called Vacation Zope. Vacation's over. It's over. It's over. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Tug, and we are back, baby! It's been a minute, so let me show you around and prove we didn't move the furniture on you. Not that I would do that to anybody at night and then cut the power. Now, that would be, in OG's words, not cool, man, not cool. Here's what you can expect on today's show, and heck, darn near every show. We like to start off with a money-related headline from the news and how it might impact your wallet. And oh boy, today we got a big one. We'll break down some shocking news the whole podcast world is talking about. What's it mean? We'll explain. 
Then, we bring a guest down to the basement that'll really knock your socks off. Today, get ready to go from stuck to successful because we're talking about rolling into action this summer with TV and radio personality Trish Hunt. But that's not all, because on Mondays, we'll share a wild TikTok minute, and we've got one for you today. And later in the show, we throw out our Haven Lifeline to members of the Stacking Benjamins community to answer your money questions. Today, we've got a question from OB, who doesn't want an inheritance. Wait, what the heck? Do his parents want to adopt me? But I got ahead of myself because the biggest moment of every episode comes right before we talk to our guest, when I share my titillating trivia. Today's, oh, just you wait and see. Now that you've had your tour, here are two guys having a cool, cool summer, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Oh, and a happy Monday back, stackers. Did you miss us? Well, we missed you very much. It is a Monday, and we are here. Welcome to another episode of the Stacky Benjamin Show. It is uh, Doug, you so eloquently said. I am Joe Saul. See hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And you are waiting for a fantastic show. And I think the gentleman across the card table is going to help me bring it to you. It's Mr. OG back and reporting for duty. How are you, man? Pretty swell. Thank you for asking. How are you? <laughs> <They're> going- <laughs> That couldn't have sounded less swell. <laughs> we started podcasting last week, and we are trying very hard. Hey, uh, uh, you've got a little bit different microphone, because I said across the card table. You're not across the card table. You are actually in an undisclosed location a mile or two north of the basement. The card table that I'm using to balance all this stuff on is uh, a little precarious. I'm I'm optimistic that it holds throughout the show. However... I think it was created in the 1940s. So just like the paneling. Right. <laughs> the paneling behind so. you for people not watching us on YouTube. I like the uh, nature art print as well. Oh, no, that's legit. That's um, that's a Thomas Kincaid. Ooh. Wow. Esque picture. It's just out of Thomas you. Kincaid-esque. <laughs> and given the paneling, I was sure that was going to be a Velvet Elvis print. So I'm a little bit disappointed <laughs> that it's Thomas Kincaid, but that's some fine stuff. No, no, no. Doug. Oh, look at that. It's Thomas look Kincaid. Ask. Ask. I see. Thomas I don't know if it evokes thoughts of. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes. It does. Yes. Well, we're yes. evoking thoughts of uh, having a financial podcast here, guys, because we've got Trish Hunt. She has an amazing and very compelling story. She used to work for a certain mouse in Orlando as an executive, and now she helps people get unstuck. And there was a big reason she was unstuck. We'll let her tell her story and tell you how you can get moving if you feel like you're, as as we say, in the weeds with your financial picture, with your job, with just life in general. But before that, a big headline that hits us hard, OG. But before that, even if you're new here, it's time for orientation, people, because before we start every show, we have to, we have to uh, explain this to you. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. 
Insure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Doug, do you think they got it? Do you think, do you think that was no, enough? No, no. Uh, one more. I think just one more time. Okay. Uh, we're at the halfway point then, new people. Sit back down because we have this. Well, you know, what I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. That's orientation right there. We've got OG, we got Doug, we got Trish Hunt, who's upstairs talking to mom right now. So let's get our headline to you. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Big announcement, OG, from... uh, Sadly, from a company I use, uh, this is Dear Stitcher Listener. The Stitcher app and website will discontinue operations on August 29th, 2023. Please make sure to export your shows before that date. How? Visit settings, da 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 and it tells you how to on a different channel. And if you're not familiar with what Stitcher is, Stitcher is the app that, uh, that I use to listen to podcasts. It seems that their parent company, XM, has decided to focus on other things. They're shutting them down, OG. So if you're listening to us on Stitcher, you want to make sure you sign up for us on a on a different channel. That's that's it. Do you Stitcher? No. That's probably why they're shutting down. Right. I don't use them either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we couldn't get the big OG and Doug We money. were the difference maker. I love <laughs> when they say focus on other things. It's like when somebody gets canned, they're like, he left to pursue other opportunities. No, he didn't. <laughs> You booted him out with a single cardboard box. He left. He left and he's pursuing other opportunities. Not two. He left and. Isn't the phrase he wanted to spend more time with his family? I think Stitcher wants to spend more time with their family. That's that's all the other apps that have gone bye-bye want to spend more time with them. Uh, You know, that's big. If you listen to Stitcher, that's definitely big. We asked people in our basement Facebook group what they use. A lot of people said that they use Overcast. Some people use the native app. The one we hear over and over, people using the Google app have had uh, a real struggle with that. So we recommend not using that one. I've used CastBox before, which is uh, What's wrong super with just nice. the Apple podcast app? Well, if you're, I mean, I if you're on if you an, don't have Apple. Yeah, if you're on an Android, the Google app is not the same. If you're on the Apple, Apple devices, the Apple native app is pretty good. But I actually want to bring this up, not because of the fact that our Stitcher listeners need to know that we in that app are going to go bye-bye in that channel. So you want to resubscribe to us on a different channel. What I truly wanted to do, OG, though, is, you know, in an up-and-down economy, and as things are changing very quickly here, 
after all of the stuff we went through with the pandemic, companies shut down from time to time. Heck, even before the pandemic, companies shut down from time to time. If your company's shutting down, if you have any clue, OG, that you think your company is going to shut down, what financial moves should you begin thinking about and begin making right now? Like besides dusting off your resume? Yeah. I mean, that's probably the biggest one, right? Is is think about what are you going to do for work? Yeah. And even to your point, the resume is not as important. If, you, if you've been changed jobs in a long time, the resume is nothing anymore. It's all LinkedIn and networking. Yeah. We talk to people sometimes that are thinking about either their own job change or, you know, with downsizing and the layoffs and stuff that have happened over the last couple of years, it's affected a number of people. And I think the biggest piece of it is just to bolster that emergency fund so that you've got enough to sustain making a longer term decision. You know, if you only have two weeks of cash in your bank account, you're going to have to be forced to make a decision very quickly around, you know, what am I going to do for the next two weeks? Whereas if your emergency fund is three months, you have a much longer runway to make decisions and find different opportunities and that sort of thing. So you can do that by either obviously starting to save cash, being aware of it in advance and saying, I can see the writing on the wall. I need to direct some more savings toward toward my emergency fund. Or if you have an investment account, you can kind of downshift some of those investments. We think about your different types of investment buckets, if you will, around like kind of a tier. So once your cash reserve is full, you want to kind of overflow that into your brokerage account, right? And so you can turn that around the other way and say, well, if I don't have enough emergency fund, I can take some from my brokerage account. And I would do that as soon as you know that there's some sign of trouble because you don't want that to coincide with a down market or a downer market, <laughs> like it's more down yeah. and you know not have the flexibility or the cash. What do you say about Thomas Kincaid-esque, down, yes. down market-esque, <laughs> yeah. shifting-esque? Yeah, because I mean, that's what happens. It's like the opposite of this is when the economy is doing well and the market's doing well and people say, well, I don't need an emergency fund. And it's like, no, the emergency fund allows you to be invested. That's the trade-off. And it feels like you're giving something up by having a bunch of money sitting in cash. Well, maybe not as much anymore because you're getting some decent cash rates right now. But the economy is doing really, you know, when the economy is doing really well, you feel like I should be dumping this money in. I should be kind of lean and mean type of stuff. It's like, well, no, that's the time to have the emergency fund because you don't want to be trying to develop this thing while the market's taking a crap because that's also the time when all the layoffs are going to happen. You know, it's like all of the bad stuff happens at the same time. You don't really hear of companies laying off people when stock prices are through the roof and profits are through the roof and the economy is doing really well. Except Stitcher. Yeah, except Stitcher. I think job number two is to take out the, your benefits handbook, the, the list of all the benefits you have and see which one of those benefits are things that you truly need to continue with because you're going to have to find a way to pay for those things. As an example, the big one, of course, is your health insurance, right? So COBRA pricing versus pricing on the open market. That seems to be OG, a wide range of uh, options there and something you probably need to get your head around if you've never shopped health insurance before. If you don't know the real price of your health costs, <laughs> you're in for a real big surprise. Business owners and entrepreneurs and self-employed people know the actual cost of health insurance. Your company is required to provide you with the option to continue the coverage, but at your cost, you know, maybe they subsidize it. And, you know, a lot of times there's, there's packages that uh, your employer will give you, you know, in terms of layoff and that sort of thing. But if it's just an outright shutdown, they go, we're out of money. 
the insurance company is going to continue it, but you're going to be responsible for the total cost. And it's probably more than twice as much as what you're paying. Again, back to that emergency fund component, there's going to be some pretty wild swings in your budget. You know, if you're responsible for all of those, all of those costs. It's a great, it's a great point, OG. And another thing to think about with emergency funds, I know you'll hear a lot of advice three months or six months and people sort of blithely throw out a a number like that, but you kind of have to do some calculations on your own budgeting, your own costs of living, the cost of COBRA or health insurance, you know, not the smallest component of that. But I used to tell people, think about how long you think it's going to take to replace your income. That doesn't mean find another job like the one you have now. It's to replace what you need to cover your basic living costs. And for some people, that might be 11.6 months or whatever it is. But you, you got to think about how long am I going to have to search for a job to not only cover rent and food, but healthcare, especially if you have a family. You as a solo person may be able to just kind of think, oh, I'll wing it. I, I'll try not to you know, break a bone in the next six or eight months. But Try not to get hurt. Right. Try not to yeah. get hurt. Try not to have an accident. Uh, I'll be a safe skier. <laughs> right. Maybe stay off the trampoline. But, uh, you know, do some math on how long you think it's going to take to replace that income. And it, it may not, a lot of people say three months, but it could be longer. So put some pencil to paper on that one. Well, that's an interesting thing, too, because the amount of money you bring in and the amount you spend are two different things. So in OG, when you say six months of expenses, some people are going to calculate what their paycheck is for six months and go, holy cow, I can't, you know, I can't get that, that money around. But it's probably a smaller number. Now, when you add in the, to Doug's point, when you add in the uh, health insurance cost, that's going to go up a little bit. But I also think we need to look at the income side of the ledger. I've got a piece here from Indeed. If your Terminator laid off due to a company shutdown in your contract, it might say something about severance pay. Even if it doesn't, you may be eligible for severance pay. I find, oh, gee, there's a lot of people out there that don't want to rock the boat, so they don't ask. This is something you definitely, I think, have to ask about. If you're leaving anyway, I think you need to ask about severance. Well, remember, <laughs> you're being let go. Like, the loyalty that you felt 10 minutes ago prior to getting that notice <laughs> should be really out the window, right? Now it's all in self-preservation, and how do I get mine? That's really all that it's about. And big company, small company... You, you just have to ask for what you want. And maybe maybe you get it offered or maybe you have to kind of extract it. But I think the most powerful phrase is, is there anything else you can do? Especially in a big company, right? They're going to they're gonna likely have some sort of formal process for this. It's not going to be just willy-nilly, you know, we just randomly can people. And they're going to have a procedure for that, right? And so they're going to give you a whole bunch of documentation. They're going to say, press our three copies, and we'll get you on your way. I think you got to say, I'm going to think on it for a little bit and then come back with another offer, right? And just say, yeah, I mean, what's the worst that happens? They say no. You just say, well, I've looked at this, but, you know, can we do 12 months of health insurance instead of six? You know, just see what happens. They, yeah, you're they don't want to rock no. the boat for you either. Well, no, you, you're at no now. If you don't right. ask, you're at no. And actually, uh, OG, you just mentioned something I think that's important is they're going to ask you to sign documents. If you're at that table with HR and your supervisor and they're letting you go, they're going to they're gonna throw a whole bunch of info at you that you think you're clear of mind and your understanding, but trust me, you're going to forget a huge amount of it around details, around benefits that you're afforded and COBRA and all that kind of stuff. But also, they're going to ask you to sign something to get your last paycheck to whatever if they're offering you severance or just to get your your last paycheck they're going to ask you to sign something don't do it 
as OG just said, tell them you're going to think about it because you're you're almost always going to have like a week to sign that and get it back to them. And not only and don't they have to pay you anyway? <laughs> like they can't just. But if, if but they're offering you any kind of severance, they're going to say, yeah, sign this right. document, and that's when you don't yeah. sign, sign it. Sign here to not sue us. Tell them you're going to you know take the full week. Yeah, I'm going to have my attorney review this. That'll that'll totally pucker everybody up in the room pretty quickly. <laughs> well, especially if you're part of a protected class. Yeah, the state government uh, protects that final paycheck. Just uh, to your point, OG, they are yeah. they are required to do that. The uh, the last thing I think you need to explore is if you've lost your job because of a company shutdown, you qualify for unemployment insurance. You probably want to start looking at how that works. Uh, you can visit the U.S. Department of Labor's informational page that outlines how that works. You know, we're going to link to these resources that we mentioned in our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Of course, tomorrow we'll go into depth on this topic in our 201 newsletter, stackingbenjamins.com slash 201 for our free newsletter comes out every Tuesday and Thursday and follows uh, curated links that we create for you that will take you deeper into all these topics if you need to go 201 on any of these Time for our TikTok Minute. This is the part of the show where we dive into some creativity brought to the market by a TikTok or Instagram or maybe Facebook Reels producer. Uh, Doug, let's go to you, man. Today for our TikTok Minute, do we have amazing stuff or air quotes amazing stuff? Uh, Amazing, italicized, caps, underlined, and bold. Well, let's see what we've got. This comes to us uh, from uh, TikToker Devery Brin. Here's the thing. Future me, rich. I believe in her. That bitch is wealthy. Current me, broke. But I've got free time and I'm healthy-ish. So I'm booking trips to faraway places on that bitch's credit card. And I am slash will be my own sugar mama when I pay this off as future me who is rich. And that's called manifesting. Look it up. <laughs> That's what you do. Use that future me's credit card. It's, it's amazing, OG. Future me's gonna pay it off. <laughs> I like it. What was that book that was big in the? Was it in the nineties, guys? That was, uh, you know, Oprah had the person on. Like, if you will it, it'll happen. The secret. Remember the secret? Yes. The secret is you just manifest it. So hey, she's she's got that down. Just you can see it. You can be it. <laughs> I walk into the. Walk into the Lamborghini dealer. I'm like, no, I'm future me with a credit <laughs> with a credit score that's way higher than 520. Way, way, way higher. Just imagine. Imagine with me. You don't need me to make a car payment this month. I'm future me. Yeah. Ask them for the money. That's so good. I'm going to be my own sugar mama. <laughs> Kate from our team found that. Thanks, Kate, for that. If you've got a TikTok minute, uh, send that to me, joe at stackybedjamins.com, and, uh, and we'll see. That's <laughs> good. For people that didn't see the video, follow our link at stackybenjamins.com. Uh, you'll see, you'll see. She's got a, she's got like a martini glass. She's guzzling the thing. She is manifesting something. All right, coming up next, Trish Hunt has a heck of a story. She is a television and radio personality. Also, has been an executive with a few companies, but uh, the one you may know is uh, the one that uh, is head up by a mouse in Orlando. She worked for that company for a while. She, though, today is here to talk to us about going from stuck to unstoppable. She had an incident in her late 20s that uh, could have made her stuck and I think makes a lot of people stuck for life. She'll explain that and more. But before we get to that, uh, OG, I think you've got a trivia question for us. Hmm. I actually don't know what to do here. Is there, no? is there a script or something I'm supposed to have of some kind? I, I mean... <laughs> 
Uh, trivia, trivia. Let me think of something. Um, how many boxes of cereal does my kids go through on a weekly basis? There you go. Yes, that's today's trivia question. How many boxes of Cocoa Krispies do my kids go through on a weekly basis? There's my trivia. How's that? Is that, is that what you had in mind? What the hell is happening? I have no idea. I think I threw it to the wrong person, Doug. <laughs> uh, was I not supposed to do that? There are professionals for this, Joe. The writers are on strike. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, might you have a trivia question for us. Uh, it might be slightly better than that one. <laughs> hey there, stackers. Let's put it on the I'm spot. Joe. What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to do this, just like I'm about to do it. <laughs> hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Tug, and man, do I need a break. I know it was our week off, but I have got to get away from all of these people enjoying summer. I mean, how much grilling and mowing can one man do? Here's what I'm thinking I'll do for our next break. I plan to head north and go camping where I can explore the wilderness and get whisper close to wild bison. I bet they like it when you pet their calves. I could Not their like lower legs, but they're babies. I can see it now. I'll name him Bucky. I wonder if he'll like pork skins. Hey, everybody likes pork skins, right? The park rangers are probably going to highlight what a true protector of wildlife I am. I can see the headlines now. Maybe they give me like a medal. I can show Joe's mom or something. That's a good lead into Trish Hunt, huh? That's getting unstuck. Let's uncork some trivia for you. I thought about the bison because... Yeah, looking at this holiday calendar Joe's mom got me, turns out that absolutely nothing happened on this day in history. Well, I mean, all except for like in, back in 1890, the 44th state joined the United States. It's the least populated state, so I'm fairly certain people just said, what, like another one? 43 wasn't enough? But no, we went ahead and added them in too. It wasn't all bad though. The Oregon Trail did pass through parts of this state, so that's cool. So what U.S. territory became a state on this day in 1890? I'll be back right after I leave a trail of pork skins for the bison. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, 
track progress toward financial goals and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers on Footprint Lever and Discovery Channel survival expert, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And we're talking about the biggest news that happened on today's date in 1890. The least populated and in one man's opinion, the most overrated territory became a state. Hey, don't blame me when you hear the answer. I'm a man that appreciates certain urban areas. And yeah, sure, you've got all those mountains and prairies and sunsets, but whoop-dee-doo, I get enough of that stuff on my screensaver. My question was, what territory became the 44th state on this day in 1890? The answer is Wyoming. Maybe our guest today can get that state unstuck and build some theme parks or like mega malls or something. That's right, it's time to talk about the power of intentional decision-making with Trish Hunt. And I'm super happy she's here with us at the card table. Trish Hunt is here. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you, Joe? Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for people to hear your story because I think it's a story that a lot of us need need to hear. And maybe, maybe let's just get into it. Sure. You are in Phoenix. I don't know. I don't know what time it was, but the phone rings. Can you just, st- l- l- let's start there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm going to take you back to 1997. I had just moved to Phoenix for a brand new job. I was with the Disney company prior to that. So I never heard of it. What? what No, no. (laughs) So I left the happiest place on earth and went into banking. Least happiest place on earth. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So it was supposed to be an exciting time, you know, in, in our lives. And sadly, in that process, my husband and father of my my two kids at the time, who were two and three years old, died in a car accident unexpectedly. In that moment, I had just turned 28 and I, you know, we're obviously going through quite a bit of change anyway. And in that moment, I was just, holy mackerel, what just happened? And I was supposed to start my new job. Um, I still remember November 17th and it was, you know, the end of October. I called and said, this happened, you know, can I I was actually supposed to start November 3rd, and then I asked for two extra weeks. I think I started November 17th. So I would just, you know, got into a, a situation that life, that life sometimes, you know, serves up to us. And in that moment, it was um, a very quick choice that I had to make in terms of, you know, how to move forward. And I didn't have the luxury of sitting around and um, feeling sorry for myself. And I had to make a very important decision pretty quickly to say, this cannot define me. It cannot define my children and our lives. And I just had to start moving. 
and I grew up a certain way. I had to grow up with a little bit of grit and a little bit of attitude, you know, if you will, to to move forward. Because again, I didn't have the luxury of things just handed to me. So I had to figure it out. I had to be resourceful. So I had to reapply the formula that I learned at a very young age. Um, I had my first job at 10 and uh, in that situation. And then over time, as I moved up and, and over and around and through my career, you know, it was just reapplying, you know, the formula of, you know, what does it really mean to to be unstoppable. And then I didn't frame it like that back then, but yeah. you know, as I was working on my book, it kind of naturally came to me in that way. But, but I mean, I can't imagine not even being unstoppable, but moving, yeah. moving past that moment is so hard for people. Like I'm, I'm thinking about that moment, but I'm also thinking about then telling your, how old were your kids at that time? And how did you, how did you tell them? Oh, it was absolutely crushing. They were two and three years old. Samantha was two, Howie was three, and it was just, I mean, you, and when we get stuck, you know, when we all do get stuck, sometimes it's it's just the mundane tasks of life, and sometimes it's a, it's a major transformational tragedy like this was for me and for us, and it was very difficult. I mean, it was, I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have a roadmap. You know, the only roadmap I had was the strength of my mother. I have an incredible rock star of a mom. And it was through her lessons and leadership and that, you know, she was my first leader. I learned so much from her growing up. That's the only tool that I had to apply. And now we are in Phoenix, Arizona. Everything's foreign to us. New house, new friends, new school, new job. I had one aunt, my mother's sister, that I hadn't seen in 20 years. And she and her husband, my uncle, came to my rescue. <laughs> I mean, in terms of just the support because my family was all back in New York. Yeah. Everybody's working. Everybody's grinding it out. Nobody has the resources to just stop what they're doing and come rescue me. So it was difficult. I remember sitting down with, with Howie and Samantha on the floor. We were Indian style. We're holding hands and we did this often. You know, we had family meetings all the time and um, they hate family meetings now. (laughs) 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 They really do. But in that moment, it was just, um, it's so breathtaking to even think back on it, just telling them that their father was in heaven and an angel um, looking over them, you know, but he wouldn't be coming. At that age, did they even get it? Uh, like, Debbie, I, I couldn't imagine even understanding what the heck's going on. Yeah, no, I mean, Samantha, you know, was obviously, I mean, they're 14 months apart. Howie was on the cusp of turning four. Um, he actually turned four two weeks after the accident. And he has a very sophisticated mind and, and brain. Even back then, you know, he did. He definitely grasped it and internalized it differently than Samantha did. And I mean, she was a young two-year-old. And so she didn't turn three till the following January. But I mean, she's just such a sweetheart. I mean, I'd heard her, uh, I just, thinking back about it and just the, the little innocent face and, um, and those feelings just, it tears me up. You know, and then over time, you know, so I, I got a certificate in thanatology, which is the study of death and dying, oh. because I, I needed to figure out how to grieve. But most importantly, I had to figure out how to help my children grieve. And what I learned was it's definitely not a linear process. You know, at least for, for me, it's not. And you come in and out of it all the time. I still do. You know, the grieving process changes as as the years go by and as they got older and then questions started coming, you know, like, 
whose fingers and toes do I have? You know, what was daddy? Like all this kind of stuff. And, and so I had to learn, I had to learn that. And as a, a single mom, a working mom, I didn't have time to really grieve. You know, I, I, I did years later, but, um, it took me a, a very long time. Yeah. You said that you, you immediately had to get the kids in daycare. So they had some sort of normalcy. And yes. to your point, you had to get things, you had to get things moving. But what's interesting is, is that we're, you know, we're talking about being unstoppable and about getting moving because as, as you know, better than most people get in this loop where they can't move past it. They just, they mm-hmm. stay there. However, what I found really interesting is that you have said that it's okay to pause and you probably need to pause and I think, you know, when I was a financial planner, Trish, I would see people would would have loved ones, spouses pass away and they would try to bury themselves in busy work and bury themselves. And 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 you did the opposite. You journaled, you went hiking, you talk to me for a second about the pause to get unstuck. Yeah. And I found in that moment how important that moment was to pause. And I, again, I didn't really know what I was doing then, but now, you know, hindsight, you know, it's always 2020. So what I did was I really wanted Samantha and Howie to just have some stability and some normalcy. But selfishly, Joe, I need space. I, I needed just to sit there in my own space and figure this out and not think. Um, I mean, there was there's so many different emotions, you know, I, just a roller coaster of, oh, my God, what's next? How am I going to put food on the table? How, how you know, what, what am I going to do for daycare and for help? And how am I going to do this alone? I'm a working mom, you know, all these things. So for two weeks, I dropped them off at daycare. I went back to our corporate housing and I sat there and I just, I cried a lot. I prayed, you know, I screamed. I was mad. I was furious. You know, all those things. I had to center myself. And so hiking and things like that are really core to my well-being. And I know that about me. I mean, walking is my, my favorite activity. It was an absolute necessary thing for me to get clarity and to get centered because it wasn't easy. I mean, making the move to to go to work when I did two weeks afterwards, trust me, it was not it was not easy. I mean, I cried every day on the way in and every day on the way home, but I was built to be a professional. And when I went to work, and I really learned this at Disney in the in the training that I had there, I was there for quite some time. It was such a great training ground at a young age, and I learned there that when I walked through the door of work, I was there for a reason. I was getting paid. They expected something out of me, you know, and so I was a professional. The moment I walked in to the moment I walked out and I did my job and I didn't bring my stuff with me to the office and I didn't use it as a tool to to get, you know, out of work or any of those things. I really just, when I walked, it was like a flip switch. When I walked through that door, it was like, I'm at work now. I'm doing my job. And then the moment I get in my car, the floodgates would open. It's so hard. I can't, I can't imagine just trying to build that wall and have that wall. Yeah, I know. It's a resiliency. I think that I've built up. I do feel like that it is a, a strength, but I also am keenly aware that when when we overdo our strengths, it does become a weakness. Yeah. And over time, I've learned that, you know, showing some vulnerability is okay in the right moment, you know, and at the right time, you know, and in the right audience um, and for the right reasons. You brought up your mom earlier, which is really where all of this begins. Tell me a little bit about growing up. And I got to ask, it's a money show. Did you guys, you and your mom, you guys ever talk about money? 
Oh, so <laughs> listen, I mean, that woman is a rock star. I mean, she had three kids by the age of, of 20. She so my brothers and I are boom, boom, boom. They're not even a year apart, my two brothers. <laughs> They're, and, and then I came just over a year later. And so, you know, she was always just hustling. But, you know, my parents divorced when I was 10. My mom, she worked several jobs. She put herself through college. She has a couple different degrees. She put us through college. You know, I didn't even want to go to college. So she dragged me by my hair, you know, to, to get me there. And we all three went to the same college. So it was easier, you know, on, on her. But yeah, 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 I mean, I just, I grew up in a way where we didn't talk so much about money. And I think this is a really, a really strong point for people to get. And she was very aware of what she had and what she did not have. But I did grow up, you know, and no offense to her, of course, with a mentality and the thinking that, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. So everything was about this $2 is for milk and this $6 is for lunch food or whatever the case may be, you know. And it was that kind of environment where she'd come home with her tips and she would give me her bag of tips and I would, you know, add it all up or the bills had to get paid. So I learned at a very young age how to write a check. I don't know, you know, if some of the audience members even know what a check <laughs> a is check anymore, is right. <laughs> but she taught me a lesson back then. And, and that is, you know, just because you have checks doesn't mean you have money, yeah, right? <laughs> right. Just because I have a debit card does not mean there's anything in there. Exactly. Yeah. So translate it now to, you know, to the world we live in or just because we have uh, Bitcoin or whatever. So, but she um, did teach you hustle. And I love this lesson. You were, you were the president of your class, your senior year, nice flex. Yeah. But then on top of that, you were also homecoming queen. And you said that, okay, president of your class was fine. Homecoming queen, though, presented a unique challenge for I somebody. I that... cheerleaders too, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> As if that wasn't enough already, Trish. I'm, yeah. It was, it, was, it was a small school. Yeah. So what did you do in your spare time with all those things? But tell me about this lesson about now you are homecoming queen and you're going to apparently go compete in these pageants? Yeah. Well, okay. First of all, let's keep it all in perspective. I'm not, you know, a beauty queen by, by any stretch of the imagination. I never was not a pageant person, but somehow the opportunity came up that when I won, um, or homecoming queen, I guess you could say one homecoming queen, I was nominated for homecoming queen. I got a letter in the mail from the state of New York asking me to represent my school in the New York homecoming queen pageant. So, you know, it was kind of, it was the night of my prom. So there was like my senior year. So there was all kinds of things, but you know, I didn't have a boyfriend. So it wasn't like I was interested in going to prom that much, but anyways, <laughs> it was an event, you know, for my, my senior year of high school, but I didn't have the funds. I didn't have the resources to really, I, you know, you, they send you the list of everything that you're going to need for that week for the competition. So I was talking to my mom about it and she said, um, we lived a couple miles away from a JC Penny. And so we grew up in a very small town, just south of Buffalo, but a sweet little town, very safe. And it was a great, great way to be raised. Anyway, she gave me the idea to really walk down to JCPenney and ask them to sponsor me. So I did. I walked a couple miles. I walked into the store. I approached the manager and, you know, I was... I can't imagine, by the way, how nervous you would have been because I would have been nervous as hell just walking into JCPenney. Like the store manager is this person that's probably somebody I think in my head is this, you know, big corporate bigwig and I'm this kid. Exactly. I mean, I was just this young girl and, you know, this young kid, you know, walking in and and I was, I was nervous for sure. But I also remember 
having a goal and wanting to accomplish the goal. And so the goal of wanting to get what I needed overrode my fear. Anyways, I walk in and I approach a sales lady, actually, and um, told her what I was there for, took me into the manager's office. We had a little chat and I walked away with everything that I needed. That's incredible. Yep. But it was a great lesson to learn that you got to be resourceful. You got to jump over the hurdles in, in life and you can't go it alone. People are willing to help you. You just got to ask. Well, because and you write that you're already at no, right? I mean, beforehand, you're already at no. So if you're going to get anywhere, you have to ask. Exactly. There's yeah. nowhere to go but up. People, generally speaking, I think they want to, especially when you're when you get to a certain point in life where you're in a position of strength where you can help somebody else succeed, it's a great feeling. And I love to be in those situations now where, you know, and it's almost very selfish, right? Because it's just, it makes you feel so good when you can help others realize their goal. And further on in the book, you know, I talk about my biggest fear, which is unrealized potential. And, you know, I think when you can surround yourself with people that, that want to help you, but you know, you don't always get yes, you know, on, on the first answer either. Right. So you've got to, got to keep persevering. What's interesting about this, this is a recurring theme with successful people, Trish, like yourself, is that, you know, the mentee is always afraid to ask a mentor to mentor them. They're afraid Mm -hmm. to ask questions, but yet what I think the mentee doesn't really, there's so much in it for the mentor. Like there's just so much in it. Like when a young person asks me, says, Hey, how do I do the thing? How do I make a podcast? How do I, you know, get better with money? How do I do these things? Like there's so much in it for me to say yes. I think that realizing the person on the other side of the table is as interested in this as you are. And if you're, by the way, if you're somebody with some expertise and you're saying no, you probably have no idea all the cool crap that happens when you say yes to those opportunities. Absolutely. I I could not agree more. You know, and I think there's a huge responsibility. You know, if you agree to be somebody's mentor, you know, you've, you got to show up, right. And you got to really, you know, set those boundaries and set those expectations up front. I have a great story. Um, Lee Cockerell. um, It was was so funny that you brought up Lee, because I was about to say, you've got a guy who's definitely in your corner, wrote the foreword to your book. Lee Cockerell embodies everything we're talking about right now. Embodies it all. And I mean, and his story is just fascinating as well. You know, when he was the executive vice president of Disney, you know, I mean, there's 60,000, 70,000 cast members, right, that he's responsible for. I mean, he's just such a hands-on, active, visible leader, bouncing around to the resorts, the parks, showing up when you, know, you least expected it. He was so ready and willing to share his, his thoughts and advice and just so practical and full of common sense. But I had asked him one day, I said, gosh, you must just get inundated, inundated with phone calls and requests and emails. And he said, you'd be surprised. Everybody thinks I'm so inaccessible or so busy. So the ones that do call and I answer the phone, they get it. They get a surprise. So pretty what cool. a wasted opportunity for so many, so many people. Yeah. I love this idea that asking for help is a way to get unstuck and is a way to get moving and finding mentorship and maybe people that have been in that area. You begin though, your framework with awareness And awareness doesn't begin outside. I mean, certainly awareness of your surroundings, but awareness of what's going on inside. Can you talk about that for a moment about why, why'd you begin with awareness as your, is kind of your first touchstone? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think this world is just getting more and more intense, right? I mean, it's always the hustle, the grind, the this, the that. We start our days like reaching for our phones and just jump right into the drama of life, right? Everybody else's drama on Facebook and Instagram and, and everywhere. And 
we don't just start our day so intentionally full of awareness to say, okay, you know, what are my goals today? What do I want to accomplish today? What does a good day look like? And those things and get really centered first and foremost about just our day and what we want it to look like. And then we allow all the distractions in life to come at us. And then, then as we go throughout our day, we, we don't accomplish what we thought we would. But if we are aware and if we pay attention to that vision of what good looks like in that moment of today, then we can measure ourselves at the end of the day to say, how'd I do? Did I let the distractions of the day get in my way of accomplishing my goals? You know, I want to save $30 a week. So I'm going to skip the morning coffee. I'm going to make it at home. But a friend calls and says, hey, a bunch of us are going out to breakfast. You know, let's go. Or you see something on Instagram like, oh, I need that sweater or whatever it is. Those are just distractions keeping you from your goals. And so to me, awareness is the absolute key to everything because the six inches between our ears is really what stops us from achieving whatever those goals might be. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier around mindset. I grew up with the mindset that money doesn't grow on trees. So you could take that two ways. Don't waste money, but also there's a lack of it. So hold tight what you have. And over time, as I've evolved and become, you know, my own person and, you know, a mature adult, I don't have that thinking. I do believe money grows on trees, meaning that I am mindful and am a good steward of my finances now. Took me a while to get there, trust me. But also that the world is abundant. And if you have a vision and you have goals and you write them down and you work towards it, then you can create an abundant life. You create your money tree. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. You know, there's a quote, I think, that stems from what you're saying, which is that, you know, money is not the object. Money's like the fruit that comes because of the other stuff around you, I think is a lot of what you're saying. You have one exercise. You've got a tactic that you use that will help our stackers bring this to life, Trish. And and you call it start, stop, continue. Can we talk about start, stop, continue for a moment? 100%. And guys, I mean, this can be done in, in so many different aspects of life. It's such a simple exercise. You can do it alone. You can do it with a partner. You can do it with a team, you know, whatever works for you. But stop, start, and continue is basically an exercise where you say, okay, this is where I'm at in my life. This is the current situation, but we know we got to get to here. So what do we need to start doing in order to get toward the goal? What do we need to stop doing because it's not adding any value And it's really distracting us from achieving our goals or continue to do, meaning you're doing it right now and it's a strength and you need to protect that strength so it needs to continue. So whether you're planning your your finances as an individual or as a family or you're working with your kids and and really developing their awareness and education around money, which I think is a a whole nother topic and probably a whole nother book, right? (laughs) But, you know, the kids that are a student, I mean, my nephew, Michael, 10 years old. He's so astute. He understands debits and credits. He understands when he goes to use his debit card, what that means, you know, that it's just, it's just not going to automatically fill up, but he understands it. And, and I think when you start young like that, you have a better chance as you move through life, but the stop, start and continue is just such a simple, great exercise to bring you back again to a state of saying, okay, I'm here. I want to be here. How am I going to get there? This is what I have to start doing. This is what I have to stop doing. And this is what I need to continue to do. 
So tell me the story about a guy doing this in the moment, Trish. You've got a guy in a budget, you're in a budget meeting and like any budget meeting you write, it's getting a little hostile. It's getting, it's people are getting territorial about their budget. <laughs> well, well, yeah, because you know, you just don't put numbers on a, on a spreadsheet and, and think they're going to appear, right? There's got a lot, a lot of work. There's stories behind the numbers, right? So yeah, of course it gets a little testy sometimes. So so yeah, it was really interesting from my perspective too, just to sit back and watch this is this person getting really frustrated, you know, where the conversation was going with the numbers, you know, we're saying there on paper. And it was just getting to a point where he was getting a little condescending to the group in the room. And, you know, when you're in that environment, Joe, like you can just cut the air, right? Like it's just, yeah. it's so thick and you're like, Ooh, goodness. Well, especially when somebody's starting to get sarcastic like that and get, you know, yeah. Yeah. And when people think, Hey, you know, I'm working hard over here, you know, like don't get on me. The numbers are the numbers. They, I, I didn't, I didn't create the numbers, <laughs> you know? So anyway, it was a moment of clarity that came to him and it was so great because he literally just took a step back and said, Oh my God. He was like, all right, I got to take a breath. Sorry for being a jerk here. You could see it. You could see the transformation. You could see it. And to be so aware and in touch, you know, because when you're, when you're working in a team like that and you got to rally people to a cause, that's not the way to get them to move forward by, you know, bopping them on the head and telling them they're stupid or whatever. So for him to first recognize what was happening and to be so aware of that and then have the courage and the humility to stop acknowledge the behavior, apologize for the behavior, reset the tone of the meeting so that it could be more productive on the back end was, was really key. I think that's the, the whole trick in life, you know, no matter so many different scenarios and circumstances where you, if, when you are in control of your emotions and aware of your behaviors, you can really change the outcomes. I love how in this whole, in this whole process, Trish, that uh, that's on a micro level, on a second by second level, we can start, stop, continue. And then also like you were explaining on a macro level with our entire life, we can reset and begin our day. Think about how we do things better. This is just the beginning guys of the, of the discussion to becoming unstoppable. I mean, we covered the stuff in the first two chapters. The, the book is from stuck to unstoppable, the power of intentional decision-making in life and leadership. And I think Trish, it's available everywhere. It sure is. Wherever good books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I'm on Instagram. If you want to come find me, I'm from Stuck to Unstoppable. Awesome. Or The Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Well, thanks a ton. And we will link to, by the way, not just the book, but also your Instagram and to the show and all the great work you do. Uh, I've got one last question, the most important question. Okay. One of the people that talks very fondly about your book at the open is the co-writer of the song Cool Kids. Ah. Which, which is a song, every time I hear this damn song, Trish, I, it, it's an earworm, right? You either love yeah. it or you hate it, but it's an earworm. How, how do you know her? Oh my goodness, Sydney, she is such a dear friend. Um, she actually posted my book on her Instagram yesterday. So sweet. Funny enough, as life would have it, so I live in Southern California, and so does she. And we were at the same place working out, F45, you know, Mark Wahlberg's yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were, you know, working out at 45 I don't know, we just started talking. We became friends. We have coffee. We're talking. We're chatting, whatever. I still don't know who she is. She knows, you know, what I do for work. I know that she likes to sing, but it was COVID. So she was in the music business. Yeah. So my family was in town for Memorial Day. And my brother's like, you know, we should just stay home and get some music or whatever. 
And I said, well, I know a girl who I who might know, might be able to help us. So I texted her. <laughs> and I said, my brother's in town, wanted some music. I don't know what it's going to take, but do you want to come sing or It's like whatever? asking John Bon Jovi if he'd just stop by and maybe exactly. play a little bit. It was so embarrassing. I mean, <laughs> she was like, sure. She's like, you know, you can talk to my manager. And I was like, your manager? What? And- <laughs> like, what are you talking about, your manager? So she connects me with her manager. And the next thing I know, I'm getting this, this, this fee amount. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. She's not playing in the, in the corner of Panera. <laughs> no. I was like, I thought she was at a local, you know, coffee shop, just strumming her guitar, singing a song. And then he sends me the video to the cool kids. <laughs> I, Joe, when I tell you, I about imploded. <laughs> I mean, I fell onto the floor. I was like, what? She is the cool kid? I mean, I, I remember driving kids around in the car when that was, you know, popular yes. and, and yeah. you know, and talking about an earworm. Oh my goodness. Anyway, I, I, it took me an hour to recover That's so before fabulous. I could get on the phone with her. And I was like, um, hello, Miss Humble, <laughs> Miss Humility, Miss Billion Downloads on YouTube of Cool Kid. She was hilarious. I mean, it was the funniest thing. Would you believe it all worked out? Her and her sweet brothers came over and they played for my family. Really? Stayed through the night, you know, dinner, everything. And it was just such a joy to get to know her brothers as well. And her adorable husband, Cameron, who was also, uh, he was the all-star weekend fanboy kid, Disney kid. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's a pilot now. But anyway, they were just absolutely precious. And um, it just further cemented, you know, my relationship with Sydney because we were grounded in the same values to begin with. You know, we talk a lot about that kind of stuff. But just the way, you know, her and her brothers just so sweetly came over and um, they did get paid, but not not the fee, <laughs> not, not the fee. But it was so worth it. And I just adore her. She's on her way. I mean, that girl is so talented. <laughs> well, and just like JCPenney, if you had asked... It wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened. That's right. So everybody, and look at life is like swimming through cement sometimes, right? I mean, yeah. it's just, it is tough. It's like, oh my gosh, can you just give me a break? But I swear if you, if you have that great attitude and a great mindset and you think positively and you just make the moves and make it happen, don't expect it handed to you. Good things come. I mean, my brothers and I are a testament to that. Hey, this is Pete the Planner, USA Today money columnist and host of the Ask Pete the Planner podcast. When I'm not fixing the weirdest financial situations you've ever heard of, I'm stacking Benjamins. Huge thanks to Trish for joining us, OG, to help us kick off these eight weeks. I think it's a great place to begin because, you know, in our life, uh, sometimes things are going to happen. And I like this idea that she had. You've worked with people who are going through grief. And the first thing they want to do is move, 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 move. And you make a bunch of bad decisions. And then they get frozen. Because then they not only had this horrible thing happen, but then they also made some dumb mistakes. And then they learn the wrong things. And they do nothing. And they wallow in it. I love the idea that you got to take some time away, like Mm -hmm. Trish did. Just be by yourself. Go hiking. Do whatever. Make no decisions. And then become unstuck. Yeah. We have this process that we use with clients called the responsibility game plan. And it's really about thinking through all of these not so fun things that can happen and stress testing your plan 
while you're of relatively sound mind, because you can think through these things, it's still not fun. It's not not exciting to think about your estate plan or think about, you know, a loved one passing away or you becoming sick or injured for an extended period of time. But at least you can say, okay, how did this, how would this affect my plan and what would be the things that I would need to do now or, you know, then to make this an easier process? And if you think about it, Without the stress of the actual event happening, you're going to make better decisions. You're talking about doing this ahead of time. Yeah. Like for people not where Trish just got that phone call, that horrible phone call, you're talking about doing it now while everything's okay. Yeah. And it extends to other things too. It's not just life and death type stuff. It's like, what happens if we get to social security age and, you know, there's a deal where they just go, well, it's not as much anymore. You know, it's half as much. Like, what do you do? Like how, let's think, think about that today. What exactly tactically do you do? Do you just write down, you just start searching your brain for all the what ifs? What are the things that could go wrong? Well, we go through the major ones, right? You get hit by the bus and don't live. You get hit by the bus and live. And as you get older, what happens if you need some assisted care, either at home or at another facility, you know, as you get older, how does that work from a monetary standpoint? How does it work from a, you know, how you're going to make those decisions? You know, like, am I a person that says, no way am I going anywhere I'm going to totally stay in my house for as long as I possibly can. That's t- that's great. Well, let's talk about that now. And what does that look like in terms of, you know, uh, we were working with a client, for example, that was building a retirement home. And we talked about this and they decided to make the doorways a little bit wider to accommodate wheelchair oh. access should they need it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just like, what are these things that you can kind of just think through and, and make decisions earlier on? Guys, I, w- when I used to do strategic planning with companies, we would do an exercise like this. And unfortunately, OG, for you, we would call it the crash the plane exercise. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, this is sad to say about the way our brains work, but we often can think about all the negative things that might happen easier. They come to us more readily than all the things we need to do to be successful. So if you just switch it around and think about what's all the stuff we would do if we really wanted to screw this up, we would not have a six month emergency fund. We would not have health insurance, you know, all of those things. And then you just, when you come up with that long list of what would it take to really screw this up, then you just switch all of those into positives and you've got your action plan. Yeah. You really don't want to think about it, but just imagine being in Trisha's position. You don't want to be there either. And at some point in your life, it's, it's, it's going to happen. What's that, what's that horrible joke? The one, you know, none of us gets out of here alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we know how this, we know how this story ends and it's kind of a horror show at the end for all of us. So uh, be prepared ahead of time. We'll, of course, we'll link to resources there. More on that in our 201 newsletter, stackybenjamins.com slash 201. Kevin Bailey will have deeper dives. So, gee, you got a closing point there? Yeah, I mean, we all just want to go like grandpa did, you know, in his sleep, just peacefully unaware of everything. You know, the passengers, however, they were not so excited. <laughs> they went screaming. Oh my, oh my God, is it? Nope, that's not it. I'm looking for the, nope, that's not. There we go. Oh, he took me four button presses. I'd say we Yeah. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you value first. Oh, I would like a... Uh... A breeze to blow the smog away from uh, the Canadian wildfires. You like a southeasterly breeze? How about an industrial <laughs> air filter yeah. for your HVAC system? Yeah, no kidding. Maybe we can send some water to our friends in Canada. They can put out the fires. It's your loved ones in your time and uh, Canadians with water. So that's right here. No, it doesn't say that. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simply Go to stackybenjamins.com slash havenlife now for a free quote. They do not have to. 
come out right away and do a physical. So good news. They won't see all the smog in your lungs. Oh, gee, that's the good, yeah. good thing. All policies issued by their parent company. <laughs> Why are there wood particles in your <laughs> left lung? <laughs> Have you recently been in a forest fire? Uh, all policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than a 160-year-old insurer. No waiting several weeks for a decision. Really lovely customer support. Stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life takes you there. Let's throw out the lifeline to our new friend, OB. Hey, OB. Hey, Joe and OG. I have something that's been weighing on my mind. I don't want an inheritance. My folks are in good health, but getting up there in years, I hope to have them for many more. They're financially and business savvy and have an estate plan, but I'm not aware of the details. My sister and I learned our fiscal responsibility from our parents, which set us both on great paths. I estimate my folks have a net worth of several million, though I've never been given a figure. I'm a few months away from my first million in net worth with a good career, divorced, one child under 10. My sister shares all those qualities, but I can't speak to her net worth. My sister and I get along fine, but aren't particularly close. I don't anticipate problems when the time comes, but you never know. From listening to you guys occasionally discussing estate battles and having close friends go through ugly lawsuits over their parents' estates, it sounds like nothing good ever comes from an inheritance. I decided several years ago that if even the smallest question arose over my parents' estate, I would instantly sign it all away and wash my hands of it, rather than get into a fight over a single dollar. Lately, I found myself thinking, I don't even want the questions. I don't care about the money, or the house, or anything of theirs, really. They set me on a good course to make my own way, and I've already received plenty from them. I'm doing just fine on my own, just about to crest that $1 million net worth mark at 37, and my son is taken care of. I don't need my folks' money, and I'll give it all up to stay out of even the smallest fight. Am I crazy? Also, I already got a shirt, so if the supply chain's working again, just give mine to Doug. It sounds like he needs one. Oh, man. Unfortunately, we've had uh, a back order on the uh, shipping across the basement, OB. So it's um, w- once we get those uh, shippers back, that might work. So you're telling me you can ship a shirt anywhere in the world except across the basement. It's the weirdest thing we've asked about it. Go, go look it up. Go to, go to the DHL website and say, I want to ship it across <laughs> the basement. And they will say, are you crazy? Which means they can't do it. They're like, are you nuts? What are you talking about? I'm like, I know it sounds weird, but we need to ship it across the basement. And they go, no. Speaking of crazy, OG, what do you think about this question? Yeah, he's crazy. Absolutely. (laughs) Take the money, OB. Take the money, OB. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things here. Firstly, he's 37. He said his parents are getting up there in age, which if he was born at a regular, you know, kind of normal-ish parenting age for his folks, his parents aren't getting up in age. They're like... Like 65, you know, they're going to be around for like 30 or 40 more years, probably, or maybe they're a little bit older, but, but nevertheless, I, I suspect that they're not quite as old as he thinks they are. And if you ask them that, wait a minute, hold on. Al Pacino's wife is pregnant and he's 82. So who knows? Right. Sure. I'm just saying that's why I said already be 110. Yeah. That's why I said normal-ish, but hell, even if he's 82, you got the better part of 15 more years to go. So I don't know necessarily that I would opt out you know, at 37 for something that you don't know what the future is going to hold. The second thing is, is that you can just discuss all this stuff in advance. And, you know, the stuff that you're talking about is all about the people who didn't do the planning, right? All of the anxiety and controversy and all that sort of stuff are are born from not having these discussions. Being in your 30s, you haven't had this discussion with your parents, probably because they're like in their 60s and they're they're like, well, we got 30 years to deal with this. So they're not ready to have that chat with you yet, but they will. And, you know, you and your sister can work it out. I mean, to arbitrarily say uh, I'm I'm not interested, I think, is a little silly. Although I have seen it happen 
I don't know that I would be totally, totally making that decision today. You can certainly wait to make the decision. And here's the other thing. You don't have to get it when it's yours. You know what I mean? Like there's, if your parents have done an estate plan correctly, there's provisions for disclaiming it, right? When you say like, no, I'm good. So fast forward 30 years and you're like, well, I got my own 10 million bucks. I don't need anybody else's. I'm, you know, whatever. I'm good. I don't need any, I don't need anything else. And they go, well, here's another couple million. You can go, no, I'm good. You can just say that then. You don't have to say it now. Um, you can wait and make those decisions, you know, when you see how the rest of the, your life unfolds. There's a lot of space between here and there. And you may find something that you're engaged in or that you're passionate about that could benefit from a gift of half of your parents' estate or something. I mean, there's so many different options. So just just hang on. Just hang on. Don't tell your folks I just quite think, yet I just that think you're not ready for their money. <laughs> I just think, OG, that while this is noble, Obi's uh, – Head is definitely in a noble spot. Like, hey, uh, no, thank you. Don't need it. That's nice. I think when I hear people say I'm fine and I'm going to be okay and I'm in my 30s, I think you might not be thinking big enough. Like there's so many opportunities to help communities, to build generational wealth, to do so many things. There are so many things that he could do. And I feel like just even based on this attitude, he'll be far more responsible with the money than you see a lot of people are with inheritances. Part of the reason inheritances are so toxic for people is because of the fact that they they feel like it's the lottery. They don't realize the sweat that went into earning that money and creating that wealth. And I feel like Obi's head's on straight when he says, yeah, you know, uh, I don't want that to happen. I feel I can feel him that he already knows that. So what can he do on a bigger level? How can he think bigger than he's thinking right now with that inheritance, you know, when it comes down the line? Well, and, I, and I'm also considering this from a different perspective. You know, you're kind of sort of counting your chickens before they're hatched, right? I mean, there's a lot of space between today and, you know, again, if your parents are in their 60s or 70s, they have a lot of life to live. They may say there's not going to be any, dude. We're spending it all. We bought a boat called My Kid's Inheritance and off we go. Or they donate it to the charities that they want. Or, you know, they pull like a Warren Buffett thing and give it all away and go, here's a few bucks to kind of help put us in the ground type of thing. I mean, there's so many different things that they could choose to do with their money that, you know, it would be awkward for you to go to your folks and be like, hey, listen, guys, I just decided I'm really good with my money. I don't need any of yours. I'm like, good, because you're not getting any, yeah. you know, like that could happen. And I think about all, we're talking about all the all the not so fun things that could happen. You're you're a lawsuit away from losing half of your money. You know, I mean, like you're divorced already, so you already probably lost half of it. So, so there's. Hot take from OG. <laughs> you probably had a crappy lawyer, so you probably don't have anything left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doug almost spit out his coffee there, but. You know, so you've been through that, but I'm and I'm not saying that, that that's a good or bad thing. I'm saying like, you know, what if you have a slip and fall accident, you know, that is at your house and somebody sues you? I mean, there's so many, who knows what's going to happen, right? You start a company and it, you know, has aspartame in it. And guess what? You know, now it's a cancer drug or a cancer causer. We had Trish on earlier. I mean, she didn't expect to call it, what, 27? Just, yeah. you don't know what's coming. Yeah. Good point. So there's, there's a lot, you know, you, you don't want to disclaim all this today. Find out that you're dead broke at 60, your folks head west and you're like, damn it, I could have used that 800 grand they were going to give me to kind of push me. You know, I mean, who knows, right? So continue to make good decisions. Don't plan on in your in your plan, which I think is the important component of it. And if you're blessed with the opportunity to have to be in charge of other people's money, which is basically what this is, right? You'll make good decisions there too. So don't make a irrevocable decision today.
Thanks for the question, LB. If you've got a question for us, head to uh, stackingbenjamins.com slash voicemail, and LG be happy to answer your question as well. And if, OB, you'd like my routing transit number to send the, your half of that uh, inheritance over to me, uh, that'd be great. I can send that yeah. to you as well. Yeah, put your yeah. money where your mouth is, buddy. You don't want it? We'll use it. <laughs> We're happy to pitch in, right? Yeah, we'll take one for the team. <laughs> Well, we're so happy that you're back here with us. And if you're brand new to the show, welcome to the Stacking Benjamin Show. Glad to have you along in the family. All I want to talk about today on the community calendar is the fact that we have this welcome guide because we are on uh, many different channels. We mentioned YouTube, so you can see the undisclosed location where OG has the wood paneling behind him and uh, the telescope and a telescope behind him. You can follow us on YouTube. We're on Instagram. We're a little bit on TikTok. We do live interviews on the Fireside app, which is an app that uh, Mark Cuban is involved in creating, and uh, a few other places. StackingBenjamins.com slash welcome gets you to the welcome guide. Of course, we mentioned the 201, our uh, newsletter where we curate the links on Tuesdays and Thursdays and much more. If you're not here for links, you're not here to follow us on social media. You're here because you need better help in your corner. OG and his team are taking clients. So head to StackingBenjamins.com slash OG. That leads you to him and his team's calendar so that you can begin making better decisions. You know what's weird? I was thinking about this the other day, guys. The, the, the year's half over. It's half over. And if you've done nothing in the first six months, maybe it's time to get moving. Because it isn't about what you know, it's about what you do. And so if you need that push, stackingbenjamins.com slash OG. Joe, you always do that at the end of every show, Joe. You're like, you go through the whole thing. If you're not here for the links, if you're not here for the great guests, maybe you're here because you need somebody good in your corner. You never say, maybe you're here for the great trivia. Oh, maybe. You never do that. So that could be a reason. That could be why they're here. So let's do that again. If you're not here for the great trivia. <laughs> Wait, I don't think I like the way that sounds now. <laughs> if you are not here for the trivia. If you're not here for Doug, how about that? Uh, yeah, I can add that to the list. Uh, okay, maybe not. Yeah, just rolls off the tongue. All right, that's going to do it for today. Coming up on Wednesday, we're going to talk about why our brains fall for scams. Even if you're smart, how do scammers prey on the fact that we are smart people trying to avoid scams? It's going to be an excellent episode on Wednesday. We'll mm. see you all then. But to put a pin on this one, Doug, you always end every show by distilling it down. What are our takeaways from today's show? Well, Joe, first, learn from Trish Hunt and make changes now so you can live your life with purpose. Second, do you use Stitcher? Time to make the change. But even bigger, is your company shutting down? Time to figure out health insurance, your retirement plan, and to get that LinkedIn profile cleaned up. On second thought, do those things even if your company is not shutting down. You never know when news like this is going to strike again. But the big lesson? If I've learned anything by watching the majestic bison roam the vast grasslands of Wyoming, it's that ain't nobody going to lose weight just by eating salads. Hey, Ma, get your hands out of my Doritos. Thanks to Trish Hunt for joining us today. You can find her book, From Stuck to Unstoppable, The Power of Intentional Decision-Making in Life and Leadership, anywhere books are sold. Want to buy Trish's book and help the podcast? Buy the book using our Amazon link found in the show notes. It costs the same and only takes one extra click, and you'll help us be able to finally get that mic stand that's better than a stack of books. I almost forgot. Check out Trish's television and radio show, The Hunt, with Trish Hunt on Biz TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're also going to have links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. But you already know that. 
This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihat. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Welcome to the after show. If you're brand new here, this is the part of the show that we don't talk about. It's the part of the show I love to get emails about six months after people have been listening going, I never knew. I never, never knew. Speaking of that, guys, I was just uh, very happy that I got to MC a credit union conference called uh, Relevant in Las Vegas. One of the things that they did was took us to a speakeasy, one of the networking things. It was a working barbershop in the Cosmopolitan Hotel and Casino. And it literally, the barber pole, two barber chairs, there were people actually getting getting their hair done. And you walk right by the people and the barbers to the back where it says WC. You open up that door. There's a men's room. There's a women's room. And there's another like utility door. You knock on the utility door. A dude slides the little the little uh, slit open and asks for the password. And you go in and there is the most amazing room with a stage and a band. We had a DJ playing uh, for this particular event that we were at, but that was, that was amazing. So we got like a speakeasy of our show. That's kind of what we've got uh, here at the end. If you were in that group, everybody else probably looked at you and thought, well, ain't no way they're taking us to a barbershop. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> looks like, looks like that dude went too many times to a barbershop. <laughs> this guy's really good. He gets everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You want the lifetime cut? Okay, I got you. Yeah, never got to come back again. The lifetime pass. That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, it was super. But often here, we talk about what we're watching on TV and on the movies, and I would play this trailer for you, but I have to tell you, I I finally caught up with a movie that won the Academy Award for Best Picture a couple years ago called Coda. 
Did you guys oh. watch the movie Coda? Oh, yeah. Loved it. You can't play the trailer because it's a woman who speaks, and she's the only member of the family with speech in a deaf family. So half of the jokes are them signing to each other. So on an audio-only show, sometimes our trailers are already a little bleak. This one wouldn't have translated at all. Yeah. But man, what a movie. What a, what a movie. It really is. And by the way, CODA, and this is something near and dear in my household, but, but CODA stands for Children of Deaf Adults. So that's where the, the title of the movie comes well, from. Well, kind it's- of. Because, Doug, I got to the end and I realized at the end that Coda has another meaning in this movie. And that that just and it still today gives me gives me uh, just the. Yeah, I start getting goosebumps when I think about this. It's a really touching movie. It's really well done, well acted. Uh, I think it it was one of the I I was going to say rare movies that deserved the best picture because sometimes they miss. Right. But that one I thought they got right. It wasn't a big budget movie, but it just. It it kind of gives you everything because you're going to laugh, you're going to cry, you're going to be motivated and inspired. It's good stuff. I don't know how much we can actually say about the plot because the plot, frankly, is a road you want to experience on your own. I agree. You really want to experience on your own. All you need to know is she really has this wonderful family. She's the only one. She she spends a lot of time speaking for the family and events just unfold. I, oh, I don't you know haven't what... seen it? You're kind of looking like you have not, you're not familiar with this. Um, familiar in the sense that I knew it existed. No, it exists, yeah. I guess. Um, didn't, didn't see it. You'd super like it. I don't know about you, but there's times when we've got, you know, the family's in visiting or you're with a group of people and you're trying to think, what are we going to watch? Cause you're not, you're not playing a board game or whatever. What can we, what, this is a movie that you could watch no matter who's in the room. And I don't mean to say that it's like little house in the prairie, all lovey dovey, perfect, but nobody's going to be uncomfortable watching this movie. No. Everybody's going to get something out of it. Would you there agree? There is Joe? a, there is a hilarious sex scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> with 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 no graphic nudity, but right. it, it just cracks you. It cracks you up, <laughs> and uh, I can't go into it. I wish I, I could talk about, about this movie. I wish I could, but Coda. You can't go into it in a sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, will you guys watch anything interesting lately? No, nothing here. No, you're too busy avoiding the smog up there, OG. I did see that the new Jack Ryan will come out in a couple of weeks. Oh, fabulous. Oh. Already? Season four, final season. I, I feel like the last season just came out. Didn't, weren't we just talking about no. the last? You sure you're thinking about Jack Ryan? It's been a f- couple, couple, at least two years, I think, since Has the it third really? season came out. Yeah. Oh, Pretty man. Sure. Time, time just flies. That's, wow. Yeah. I feel like I just watched it. Yeah, so good. So, yeah, I like such that a lot. Every season of that has been fantastic. You know what I just started in on, and I'm only two episodes in, but uh, season two of The Bear. I saw that that's out, and I am... We are watching the latest season of Never Have I Ever, which Paula Pant and I both think is just hilarious. It's very funny, written by Mindy Kaling. So we jumped into that. And Doug, on your recommendation, I'm starting The Diplomat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl's a little farther than me. And I told her you like it. And she's like, what does he like about the show? I'm on, I'm on episode five and I don't love it. Wow. Well, she doesn't know that I have a massive crush on Carrie Russell. Oh, that's well, what there she does. <laughs> that's exactly. what she doesn't get. Exactly. Who cares about the plot? Uh, well, and also, you know, I was a huge, huge fan of The Americans. I can't stop saying enough good things about The Americans. That show, I think, is one of the the best sort of serial shows that I've ever, you know, watched. I, I just, I could watch it again. And this feels like a continuation of that in some respects. Oh, gee, I do know you've gone golfing lately, and I heard you played a really great round with Doug uh, recently. <laughs> uh, yeah, we played in Michigan at a pretty 
course that oh my I God. hate and will never go back to. Oh my God. So. This is a course that shows up on nearly every like golf digest, you know, golf weekly golf magazine, you name it. It shows up on a, almost every course nationally as one of the top name, top 20, top 30 that you can play as a public course. All and, I heard is it's horrible. Doug. Oh, geez. Like two stars, never coming back. It is horrible. Yeah, I'll never be back. Not going yeah. back. I mean, I didn't play particularly well, but didn't like it. Didn't like it. Too gimmicky. Do you want to name the course? Yeah, it's Arcadia. Arcadia. Arcadia Bluffs. Yeah. The the Bluffs course, not the South course. There there are two for people who don't go to Arcadia Bluffs. People. It's too gimmicky. Horrible, horrible course. Oh my god. This may start the biggest argument in our basement we've ever had for anybody who knows this course because it's just freaking unbelievable. I thought the course was in terrible shape. It was. Oh it was god. wet. The maintenance was awful. When you come from Texas, everything is wet. No, like, I mean, it hasn't rained up here in God knows how long. People are complaining about how dry it is. And uh, it was like soggy wet, though. It wasn't like wet, like, you know, no, six o'clock in the afternoon. It shouldn't be. There was no sogginess. You know, it shouldn't be standing water. I think there was one sprinkler head that was broken. There was like one soggy spot. I seriously think, Doug, you overestimate the size argument this is going to create in the basement. <laughs> we... <laughs> no, it's a big argument between OG and I. Yeah. Well, uh, the last speaker at this conference was the former head of communications for Harley Davidson. And he's like, who rides motorcycles? And like six people raised their hand. It was there were only like 80 people in the room. Six people raised their hand. He's like, wow. He's like, you guys are missing an opportunity. How many of you play golf? Like 20. He goes, why the f*** are you wasting your life on that? It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair question. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 